Before we start today's episode, I just want to thank everyone that submitted a review on Apple Podcasts for Kitchen Table Magic. Thanks so much. It really helps new listeners find the show by improving its discoverability on Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to leave us a review, even though you don't have Apple Podcasts, just go to your iTunes and find Kitchen Table Magic in the podcast section and then click on that little five star thingy. Thanks, everyone, for your support. Kitchen Table Magic is presented by Hipsters of the Coast. Hipsters of the Coast is the premier news and strategy blog for the Magic the Gathering community. Read up on insightful columns written by an expert team of Magic insiders. There's something for everyone. Discussion about legacy, commander, preview cards from the new set, and more. Go to hipstersofthecoast.com for news and strategy and all of your favorite formats. That's hipstersofthecoast.com. Kitchen Table Magic is brought to you by Card Kingdom. With fast shipping, the best sleeves, deck boxes, binders, and all the modern legacy and commander staples you could ever want, Card Kingdom is there with the hookup. If you'd like to support the show, just use our affiliate link, cardkingdom.com slash KTM when you shop. Kitchen Table Magic is brought to you by Paragon City Games. They're a community-focused game store in Draper, Utah that cares deeply about their player base. Tune in to watch their live paper and moto streams at twitch.tv slash paragoncitygames for daily legacy action. Hello, hello, hello. Yeah, see? Okay. It's, 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 great to, it's great to be able to see the waveform. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Okay. So now you're going to want to get your, your evil person hat Okay, <laughs> okay. Be more devious. <laughs> Daniel, can you introduce yourself for the episode on Black? Sure. My name is Daniel Wynn, local Seattle legacy player, and I'm here to talk to you about the color of punishment, pain, hatred, vengeance, Black. Michelle, could you please introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Michelle Rapp. I'm one of the co-hosts of the Lord Wife Save Orthos podcast. I'm here to discuss the color black in the color pie, a color that, although I don't identify with it personally, I absolutely adore to play. Welcome to Kitchen Table Magic, a storytelling podcast featuring the amazing people of the Magic the Gathering community. I'm your host, Sam Tang. Join me and my guests as we share stories about what MTG means to us, how we got started playing Magic, the ups, the downs, the hilarious stories, and everything in between. This is part three of our five-part series on Wooburg. In this episode, we're talking about the color black with co-host of the Vorthos podcast, The Lorgoifs, Michelle Rapp, and Seattle legacy grinder and master of legacy elves, Daniel Wen. Black is often cited as the villain of magic, but is it really? What makes black such a deviously fun color to play? And with black dominating legacy and modern, it seems like almost every deck uses black in some way or is prepared to go against it. We'll be talking about our favorite black cards and also offer up a unique perspective on the evil side of the color pie. I hope you enjoy my conversations with Michelle Rapp and Daniel Wen about the color black. So, Michelle, why are you talking to us today about black? So, black is one of probably my absolute favorite color to play, mostly because it is a diametrically opposite color from who I am in everyday life. Uh, most people say that when they meet me, that I'm the most mono-white individual in terms of the color pie they've ever met. And so, it's hilarious when I actually sit down to play magic and I bust out my standard deck, which is, you know, mono black zombies, or I have commanders that are basically just all riffs on black plus another color. So, I have Olivia and Hapatra and Gisa and Garolf. So, um, it's a color that 
I really adore getting my teeth into because you don't hold anything back in black. You just do everything you need to do to win. And that kind of ruthlessness where you break all the rules, you give all of your cares to the win, and you just focus on that victory is incredibly freeing for me. Why are you talking about black today? Talk about black today because it is the color, I think, the most fun tournament magic color because you get to just step all over your opponent's feelings and their plans and their, you know, wizardly momentum. You get to just crush it beneath your feet and it's super satisfying. Daniel, tell us, what do you enjoy most about playing black? My favorite part about playing black is just killing all of my opponent's stuff. I want to kill their creatures. I want to kill the cards in their hand. And most of all, I want to kill their desire to win. (laughs) (laughs) I'm probably going to leave that cackle in, actually. (laughs) Daniel, what do you know about black that most players don't know? Hmm. That's a tricky one. I think the secret to playing black is, you know, it's very tempting to get a little crazy with how much stuff you can kill. Like, you you have a lot of power, right? The same way red does with direct damage. Uh, and the the way to to play correctly with black, I think, is to be a little little picky about where which openings you choose to take advantage of that power. So, um, you know, you have a lot of hatred available, a lot of rage you can unleash on your opponent, but you can't be uh, a little wasteful with it, right? You have to be surgical with your punishment. Michelle, can you give a little perspective on this particular color? Like, what do you know about black that the listeners might not know? So, black is inherently selfish. We all know this. But being selfish is not necessarily a bad thing. Of course, you can amp that up to the nth degree and become incredibly ruthless and power-hungry and mad with that. But, you know, a little bit of black every now and then never hurt anyone. Absolutely, Michelle, because one of my favorite quotes of any black card ever is for Dark Confidant, which is, (laughs) greatness at any cost. Black makes you really think about what the true costs of certain things are and how things can be thought of as a resource. And that's one of the things I love best about black. Black treats everything as a resource. Nothing is off limits. Uh, other colors will be, won't touch their graveyard at all. And black just looks at my graveyard and says, hey, there are some really fantastic creatures that if they came back into the battlefield would be pretty great. So why don't we go ahead and take care of that? One thing I actually really love about Black too is the fact that it actually doesn't really hold itself back in terms of being able to access things that other colors would normally be able to do. So you mentioned uh, drawing cards. And drawing cards is usually Blue's ability, but Black is... You know, Black's able to really kind of do the same thing. It it costs a little bit more. You're going to have to pay some life. You may have to sacrifice a creature. But you're going to be able to get those extra resources. And at the end of the day, who cares? If you win at one life, you still win. So might as well just use whatever is at hand in order to get to victory. And that's that's completely okay. One of the most interesting Black cards of uh, recent uh, sets is uh, Descend into Madness. And you put a counter into it, and then people start sacrificing their permanents equal to the number of counters that are on it. And the first time I played against that, I just was like, well, then how is anything going to ever stop getting sacked? And then I realized my opponent said to me, well, eventually I'm going to sack Descend into Madness. And I'm just like, that's so interesting that a black spell, an enchantment would sit there. And the only way that this madness ceases is that if it itself is being sacrificed. 
And then there are other ways that black cards can also tap into other areas. I think like those other colors would consider themselves like the pinnacle of, of like being able to do. For example, you have Cabal Coffers. And if you're playing a mono black deck, your ability to basically ramp is incredible. You know, it's a must for any, any black deck whatsoever. And like with Urborg Tomb of Yawgmouth as well, you know, you put it down, all of a sudden everything's a swamp. And so you're able to tap, you know, into resources you may not be able to have done so before. And normally that's a very green, you know, ability, right? Yeah, for example, Gifts of Paradise is an enchantment. You enchant a, a land and then you're able to sort of add two of any color you want. But black is, you know, looks at that and says, you know what? Might as well just make everything a swamp. Might as well just give you all the resources you need and, and ramp you up in mana wise in order to, you know, carry out your dastardly deeds. Yeah, it's also so interesting that we were talking about earlier another mechanic of black, which is that black likes to recycle things out of the graveyard. Things come back mm -hmm. to life. I mean, when you think about black, it's just like, yeah, things die. Then what? Right. But things die and then die again and die again. No matter how many creatures of mine get killed, I can just bring them back. I can build my board back faster than anyone else because, you know, I'm able to sacrifice life. I'm able to uh, ramp. I'm able to pay the cost in order to just empty my graveyard and dump everything out from their coffins and just say, and they're back. <laughs> you thought we were gone. Nope, we're back. So, you know, Black might not necessarily always have the most beefy creatures, but but they certainly are some of the most resilient. What is the role of black within the game of magic? You know, I've used a lot of the same adjectives before, but I think the role of black is to tamper with your opponents, not only with the cards they have in play, but also with the, their morale. Because a lot of the ways black is interacting with your opponent, they don't feel good for your opponent. They're upsetting. And I love it. I'm just, it's, it's a mean color. It's a mean color. And in some ways, other colors are good guys trying to do things that make, you know, you cast a spell, it makes you feel good. I'm drawing some cards. I'm playing some lands or whatever it happens to be. But Black is like, no, I'm hurting you. I'm taking your stuff away. You can't have that anymore. They're the villains, right? And, and every good story needs a villain. Okay, so Black is the color of villainy and interaction with your opponent, taking away their things. But Daniel, why do we need Black as a color in Magic? This is going to get to really basic, weird karma level voodoo stuff. But you need you need cycles. You need an ebb and flow. You need places in the game where you can grow and do, you know, grow your board or make stuff, right? I'm making stuff, tokens. I'm making stuff with white. I'm making stuff with green. But you need to destroy stuff. You need to break stuff. You need a wildfire to, to make a new forest grow. You need to um, take things away for new things to be put up. So, I think black is a, an equalizer in that sense. The Great Void is a good contrast to, you know, infinite happiness or whatever white and green are supposed to do. Boring stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to create a new, we have to destroy, which kind of sounds like stuff like the Black Praetor would have said yeah. to her minions. Michelle, why do you think that we need black as a color identity in this game? Black presents an opportunity for players to really just let everything go and focus only on winning. There's a lot that we have to deal with in everyday life in terms of structure, in terms of rules. You know, don't jaywalk. Don't steal things. Don't hit your coworker because they said something incredibly stupid and racist. Like, you, you can't just do that. <laughs> in when you're playing black, you're given leeway to do anything you want so long as you're willing to pay the price. And that's something that can be incredibly liberating for so many people. 
as a result, black is basically allowing people to see and embrace sort of the ruthlessness, the ambition, the darker side of themselves, perhaps, um, that they would not otherwise do. Um, a lot of people like to give black a lot of flack for having all these creatures that are ugly and, and really scary looking and they're demonic and whatnot. But really, at the end of the day, what they're all trying to accomplish is just winning and, and living and just being the person who is able to enjoy their own lives at the end of the day. And that's something that everybody can relate to. Without black, if we look at the other colors, we have white, blue, green, and red. Um, basically, they they would maybe be a little bit too hunky-dory with each other because there's a lot of structure, right? So white and green, they're all about structure and ideas and, you know, knowledge. And when you look at... Um, Red, you know, red can get along with green pretty well because they, they believe in intuition and they can be convinced, you know, that maybe there's a little bit of color, uh, but a little bit of order that needs to go into their own lives. Blue is all about knowledge and knowledge can be sometimes, you know, pursued for the sake of itself, but often only within a place of security. So if black wasn't there, then the other colors wouldn't really have a lot of cause to push themselves to the next level. Black is all about trying to strive to be better, to be greater, to be competitive. And so by being there, by being basically the heel to all of these other fantastic characters in, the, in Magic the Gathering, Black provides this incredibly delicious counterpoint that says it's okay to um, go ahead and bring things out of your graveyard. It's okay to kill things. Just, just do it, you know. Let's, let's go ahead and not think too much about, uh, whether or not this is right, because that's a false construct. Let's go ahead and just do what we think is best for us. And that's going to be okay. Daniel, can you share with us the mechanics that you often see in the black color identity? Sure. It's mostly, so the, the biggest mechanics with black are, of course, discard, uh, and creature removal. And, you know, with the right measure of both of those things, you can make a nice recipe for disaster for your opponent. Um, and so, it's a very interactive color. It asks you to to play with your opponent, even though maybe they don't really want you to be casting those spells at them in the first place. But I think it's fair magic. It's angry magic. It's good magic. Let's talk about some mechanics that are quintessential to black. I know that we've already been kind of touching on some of them again. One of the first things I think about is death touch. So, death touch is something that black shares with green, but they both have their own idea of how death touch works. So, black, when it looks at death touch, it looks at basically almost like spreading a poison, right? Um, spreading like a taint into another creature. So, uh, there are a ton of really fantastic one drop uh, death touch, like rats, for example. We have so many rats that are, are that have death touch. We have rancid rats, we have thriving rats, we have typhoid rats, and it's just this own little subculture within, um, within Magic the Gathering that these little one ones can bring down an enormous 11-11 <laughs> if it even inflicts one point of damage on it. Um, just this idea of being able to spread this disease, and they offer some really fantastic defense. There's also just sacrificing. The fact that so many cards are you know, for example, Sidisi. Um, Sidisi Undead Vizier is an amazing card because she runs exploit, right? So exploit means you can basically sacrifice another creature and then tutor for 
a card. So it's, she's basically like a tutor on a stick, right? So all you need to do is just kill a creature and then go find whatever card you want in your library and put it in your hand. And you don't even have to show it to anyone. Um, that's another thing that's fun about black tutors, actually. So when you think about demonic tutor, vampiric tutor, etc., you don't have to show anyone what you're doing. And that's a very sort of black thing to do, right? Because you're, um, you're secretive, you know, you've got subterfuge, you're being subtle about things. Um, your opponents will just look at you and be like, well, I hope they didn't just get damnation or something. And really you did, <laughs> but, um, it can be a really, um, powerful effect, uh, the ability to just kill something for the opportunity to put yourself in a more powerful position. That's easily something that Black likes to do. So if you're no longer of any use, then you might as well just off that one little creature in order to get yourself a really powerful spell. Yeah, and also uh, Black also has these great destroy effects. So terror, oh, yes. go for the throat, grasp of darkness, doom blade. Doom blade. Everyone loves doom blade. Murder. What's yeah? Murder. <laughs> Heroes downfall. The list goes on and on and on. Right. Yeah. Another interesting thing is that um, even in addition to straight pointing at something and killing it, there's also edict effects, which forces your opponent to sacrifice a creature. Mm -hmm. Just having to sacrifice it now, it doesn't matter if that creature has hexproof or indestructible. It's getting sacrificed. Oh, yeah. No, and it's it's a fun thing to think about when you consider the perspective of Black, right? Black focuses on itself as the most important person in the entire world. And other people had best respect that or else they're going to suffer consequences. And that's what's really fun about edict effects like that. They're basically, you're basically saying to the rest of the players in your group, all right, it's time for tribute. <laughs> Go ahead, sacrifice something. I'm going to make you, I'm going to keep you down basically so I can rise up. And in the meantime, I'm going to make you, you suffer just a bit for me. And yeah, it's, it's a really nice way to impose a sort of feudalistic uh, structure on the rest of your group. So one of the other, I think, hallmark mechanics of black is its ability to force your opponents to discard. So one of my favorite modern decks to play, I think the only modern deck I've ever really played and played well, has been 8-Rack. And yes, that makes me a horrible person, and that's okay. So one of the things I love about 8-Rack is that it basically, as its thesis statement, forces your opponent to discard everything in their hand and then punishes them for having nothing. So it's the ultimate sort of sod you um, in, in uh, deck form, which is pretty funny and hilarious, I think, but is also a pain to play against. Um, and a lot of the cards in this particular deck are have that basic discard effect. So for example, of each opponent's upkeep, if the player has one or fewer cards in hand, he or she loses three life. So that's a nice setup, right? And so how are you going to be able to, you know, get them down? Oh, yeah. And then in addition to that, you also have the rack, which is this fantastic card that says, it's an artifact that says if an opponent has fewer than three cards in hand during his or her upkeep, the rack does one damage to opponent for each card fewer than three. So now you've got these on the board. And what else do you bring out but one of the most powerful and greatest cards of all time, Magic the Gathering? 
Liliana of the Vale. And so Liliana is this amazing three-drop planeswalker. For one and two black, she comes onto the field and you can immediately pump her up to discard a card, to make your opponent discard a card. You also discard a card, but since you've already got these enchantments on the field that uh, basically punish your opponent, um, it becomes a really nice way to sort of whittle them down slowly. And not only do their life totals suffer, but also their strategy, right? You can't really employ your strategy if you're just discarding your cards into the bin every single, t- every single turn. Um, so it helps sort of disrupt plans and ideas even before they can be implemented. Like there's still like, I kind of think of it as basically just um, almost like killing ideas in the cradle, which is sort of a really dastardly murderous way of thinking about it. But that's sort of how it is. You're, you're eliminating the potential for any threat uh, by doing away with it at its at its inception, really. And it's it's kind of scary and it's sort of crazy. Um, there are also some fantastic cards in this particular deck that kind of embody that whole discard theme. Of course, you have Thoughtseize, which is an amazing card introduced in, in Lorwyn Block, and it's a one-drop. You, as uh, the player, lose two life, but as a reward, you get to basically look at your opponent's hand. You get to see what the, what they've got in terms of you know, power and, and mana and how they might sequence it. And then you can say, Oh, that's a key part of what you want to do. I'm going to take that away from you and just make you get rid of it. And it's a really great way of disrupting what your opponent's trying to do. Uh, Raven's Crime is also fantastic for doing that for making your, um, for making your opponent discard. Wrench Mind is also really fun. Oh, and of course, there's the ever wonderful smallpox which uh, forces each player to lose life, discard a card, sacrifice a creature, and then sacrifice a land. So if you didn't think things could get worse, they just did. It's an incredibly fun effect. And yeah, it's equal. But you know, when you've got all these other cards working in concert, you've still got the upper hand. I really love that angle of attack. I mean, when you really think of black as a color identity, and then you also think about what the game of magic is. I mean, we're wizards, mages, and our libraries are spells that are in our minds. And for black to peer into your hand and make you discard them is as if some evil mage was peering into your thoughts and pulling your sanity away from you, shredding it apart. Brian Weissman was talking about some of the earliest and most devastating plays of 1994 Vintage Magic, which is you play a Black Lotus and play a bunch of Moxes, and then you mind twist them for seven. You know, you basically make them discard seven cards or six cards on turn one. And it's like, no one ever comes back from that. I mean, never mind counter spells, right? You know, people are always like, oh, counter spells are so oppressive. It's so unfun. It's like, can you even imagine not even being able to play any spells that you have in your hand? And that's really what modern discard is. I mean, we think about thought seas, right? And we think about duress effects. We think about old fashioned effects like coercion. And you even go a little bit further back and you think about like, him to Turok, these random discard effects that makes your opponent discard two random cards. Like that's even so much more oppressive because you can now luck is involved and you can hit something really, really massive. It's just so insane. Yeah, no, it's definitely a color that seeks to basically eliminate any thought of, of opposition from the moment it appears in your mind. 
So yeah, it, it's all about just brainwashing you and and just just removing everything possible. I mean, it's one of the things that I like best about. I know that Ashiok as a planeswalker is blue black, but you know, as a character, they walk in basically just siphon all of the dreams and thoughts out of your head, and that's pretty terrifying. <laughs> so um, that pretty much embodies a lot of what this aspect of Black is trying to do in, in terms of just taking away these concepts, these ideas, these dreams. Michelle, could you share with the listeners some of the quintessential mechanics in the Black color identity? So some of the most essential mechanics in the color identity include discarding. So as we mentioned before, discarding is such an important part of what Black is trying to do. We mentioned duress, thought seize. These are cards that basically peer into the mind of your opponent, take that strategy from them and rip it out of their head. And that's an incredibly ruthless way of trying to make sure that you win the game, right? So if your opponent isn't able to conceive of or able to execute on anything, then it's a pretty nice way of winning the game. Um, another really fantastic ability that Black is able to employ, basically on dying, for example, we have, uh, I guess, uh, Micaeus, the unhallowed, um, it being able to give all non-human creatures undying, that sort of mechanic allows creatures to basically come back and come back a little bit stronger. So once you think that something is dead, that's actually not the case. Lifelink is also something that Black likes to do. Uh, when you think about some of the quintessential creatures in Black, you know, there's also demons and we talk about, you know, oh, we're trading life and making compacts for better resources. Uh, vampires are another really cool creature that you also find in Black. And of course, vampires, what do they like to do? They like to drink life essence, aka blood, in order for them to feel more alive. So lifelink is a, another really great mechanic that illustrates sort of the ruthlessness of Black being able to benefit from someone else's loss. In this case, your opponent's life. Continuing with that particular theme, we also see sacrifice. Again, let's benefit from someone else's loss. Oh, well, this tiny little like demon or cat over here isn't really doing us any good. If we go ahead and kill it, if we offer it um, a, a card basically as a sacrifice, as tribute, then we'll be able to gain so much more power in return. So yeah, it can be an incredibly rich car, a rich color. It can be a very complex color. And it's one of the things that uh, makes Black such an incredibly powerful strategy to employ in Magic the Gathering. What are some of your favorite creatures or spells or permanents for the color of black? My favorite creature, so thematic and, and uh, probably a, lot, a top pick for a lot of people, is uh, Dark Confidant, aka Bob. That's a great black card. Um, it does a lot of black things very well. You know, it gets you, it has card draw, right? Black has some card draw like blue, but at a price. And of course, along with the favorite flavor text for Bob, greatness at any cost. You know, you want, I feel like a resolved Bob can win a lot of games. Um, because that card advantage, you know, you don't care about your own health with that card. You're trying to just go as aggro as possible. And it's, it's a good feeling to just kind of be reckless in that sense. Of course, other ones, iconic cards, right? Cabal Therapy, very aggressive card, very angry card, a very skill testing card, right? You can blow someone's whole hand up with that card or you can whiff super bad. And so, one of my favorite cards to cast 
in Magic, one of my favorite cards to be cast against me, assuming it's being cast fair without a Gitaxian probe to set it up. That's boring, okay? You hear me? It's boring. Um, a blind Cabal therapy is a beautiful thing and people need to respect that and I think it's a great card. Of course, also Thoughtseize is a great black card, right? Of course, with a discard theme here. There's a video, I think Magic Man Sam did a video on the turn one Thoughtseize and the power of it and yeah, I mean, it's in the context of tournament magic, it's a fantastic card, fantastic mechanic, and perfectly balanced. I think the life loss is, is totally warranted. The the life loss element of black can feel uh, great. It's great, great, great um, mechanic. I think it, it ties in thematically with a lot of what the cards do. Another great black card, Hymn to Torak. Fantastic card and also a gambler's card. Since the discard is random, discard two cards. It's a value card. It's a gambler's card. It has a lot of appeal as far as... It's just a fun card to cast. It's the same thing with Cabal Therapy. Those are exciting kinds of cards. You know, of course, they're good cards, which helps make you want to play them. But it's just fun to cast at and to roll the dice and to like, there's an emotion behind it. There's a thrill behind it. Oh, am I going to hit his good cards? Am I going to hit the bad cards? I got to watch his face when we pick the two cards to discard. I can get information from him based on how he reacts to those two cards, you know. And of course, everyone has stories of the him hitting the best cards and crushing their opponent, right? And sometimes the him hits garbage and it doesn't do anything. And that that tension is really fun. Maybe it's not the most fair, right? Because it's random, but fair isn't always fun. What about like Planeswalkers? What about a favorite, oh, like a good black Planeswalker? Like set course, it up for us. Sure. The best Planeswalker in black, it's debatable. Right now, probably Liliana of the Veil, right? Very, very Jundi, very black card. Discard. You get some creature sacking, uh, which has utility with, with, you know, creatures that are untargetable. And then the ult is very skill testing as well, if you can get that off. But I think the more fun Black Planeswalker is Liliana, The Last Hope. You get some really cool graveyard recursion tricks. And that ultimate, I've only done it once, but I've been playing it a little bit. But that ultimate is super fun. Any card that makes you go out and buy tokens to play with it is a fun card, right? You get an emblem token, you get zombie tokens make a bunch of infinite zombies coming forever. Like that's just a fun card. It's got everything, got removal, got recursion, and it has an end game plan. I've been able to uh, ultimate Liliana of the Last Hope, I think three or four times and every single time I've won. Wow. It's like insane. Wow. I managed to ult it and lose. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) uh, hoping to get more ultimates with that card. That's a fun card. Uh, another cool, really black, really cool black card, Vampire Nighthawk. Yes. Doesn't get enough credit for being an awesome card, but the Flying Lifelink, is it Vigilant also? I don't, I think it's just Flying Lifelink. That is great. And uh, kind of beat up, outclassed the 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 iconic black three-drop Hypnotic Spectre. Always a fun ca- card to cast. Oh man, we didn't even talk about Dark Ritual. Dark yeah, Ritual. Let's talk about it, yeah. All those rituals, um, if you've ever played against Ant in Magic... Um, it's a combo storm deck that makes a lot of mana with Cabal Ritual, Dark Ritual, Ad Nauseam, Tendrils type of stuff. And it's crazy to watch Black do all that combo-y stuff. And it's just it's just fun to watch. And then like maybe Tin Fins in Legacy to watch Black do all this crazy graveyard recursion and, and, and have a, such a velocity. Plus, you get a backup with some discard and stuff like that. Like, you can do a lot of crazy stuff. I'm just rambling on about Black right now, but um, <laughs> Dark Red. Dark Red, great card. One of the best and most iconic cards in black cards in Magic, Dark Ritual, of course. One of the five boon cycles from the original Magic set, along with Healing Salve, Lightning Bolt, Giant Growth, um, Ancestral Recall. 
And I love Dark Ritual because it's good. It was good then and it's good now and it's good in a different kind of capacities. So it's good. Um, you can play it in a casual deck. I'm going to play a turn one Dark Rit into Thought Seize Him or turn one Dark Rit into Hypnotic Specter and hope that rides pretty far. You know, there's a lot of, there's a whole archetype like built around that back in the day. Uh, and then even now it's still good in combo decks in ad nauseum tendrils, in uh, those storm decks. It's quality card that has been quality for a long time and the casual players love it. Um, hardcore tournament players love it. And I think it's just a really clean, beautiful, elegant card. Let's talk about some black cards, shall we? When I think about my favorite cards in black, there are so many <laughs> that I absolutely adore. Uh, but we'll go ahead and try to stick to, I guess, the the top ones. Um, so my first one is definitely Liliana of the Veil. And I know that's such a cliched answer, but I, I love her as a character. And also, she was the first planeswalker I ever opened. Um, I was at GP Oakland and I was at, uh, doing an Innistrad draft. We had, my friends and I had run around all the vendors and we gathered all of these spare Innistrad packs. And I open my first pack and she's right there. And I squeal like so loudly. I think half of the convention center turned around and it was like, what is going on? And I'm like, I opened Liliana of the Veil. They're like, ah, oh, okay. That makes sense. So Lily is one of my favorite cards because I think she, in one nice little condensed package, everything that black is all about. So um, like we mentioned earlier, Liliana starts off with her plus one ability being each player discards a card. Um, her negative two is that target player sacrifices a creature. So again, um, that's really fantastic. You can make your 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 um, your opponent basically just if they only have their one big thing on the board, they have to sacrifice. And as we mentioned before, it gets around hexproof. It gets around indestructible. And of course, last is separate all permanents target player controls into two piles. That player sacrifices all permanents in the pile of his or her choice. And that is such an incredibly devastating last ability. You basically can just look at the board that they have and separate those two piles into lands and non-lands. And either way, either way, they're screwed, right? Um, because they can't really implement anything. So it's this ultimate way of just saying, you can't do anything and I'm going to push you back so far and you can't touch me because I'm better than you. And what's fascinating about that is that there have been several times when I have had Liliana up to seven or eight, and I don't even want to ultimate that ability because it's just better to have my opponent keep on discarding cards or keep on sacrificing creatures. All of those abilities are just so oppressive. And you're right, Liliana is the quintessential Black Planeswalker because it embodies so much of what Black is so well known for. Yeah, no, it's a nice compact package. I mean, if we, we had to, if I had to submit one card to anyone to represent the color black, it would be this card. It would be Liliana of the Veil um, because she's just so perfect. <laughs> she's a wonderful way um, of representing what the color is all about, really. I love it. What are some creatures, Michelle? So, uh, one of my favorite creatures is, let's see... Um, I love, like I mentioned before, I absolutely adore, uh, CDC Undead Vizier. 
because she combines a couple, several things into, into one. One, well, I mean, she's also a snake person zombie, which is not something you see every day, which is pretty unique. However, she also has one death touch, which is really great. Second of all, she has exploit, so she's willing to sacrifice another creature on the board. And once you do that, you're able to basically tutor up any card in your library, and that's fantastic. She can even exploit herself. So basically, you're just paying for a tutor on a stick with, with her, and it's it's fantastic. You really don't need to um, search up another tutor in your um, in your deck if you're playing commander. You can just you know, if you have a search, uh, if you have an ability that allows you to find a creature, she can basically chain you into something else that will help you win the game, which is fantastic. So um, she's definitely another one of my absolute favorite cards. Um, I love a lot of the more recent black zombies that have entered standard. It's one of the reasons why I play mono black standard, mono black zombies in standard. So, for example, like we have. Lord of the Accursed, uh, the ability to not only pump your zombies, but also give them menace, which is, again, part of that whole pseudo-evasion thing that Black has going for it, where it makes your strategy and your creatures really difficult to stop. Another really fantastic uh, Black card is Cryptbreaker. So Cryptbreaker is a very interesting card um, because, one, it's, it's just so cheap. <laughs> it's only a one-drop. But basically, um, you can, for one Black and a tap, discard a card in your hand and then put a 2-2 Black Zombie Creature token onto the battlefield. So it basically brings more and more zombies as the game progresses, which is pretty fun. Uh, what's amazing, though, is its second ability, which allows you to tap three untapped zombie creatures, and you can draw a card and lose a life. So it's a, lo- it's a lot to pay, but usually when you're employing the strategy, you have a lot of creatures on the board. And so the ability to, you know, if you're not on the attack, be able to sit back, tap your creatures on your opponent's turn, and draw a card and lose a life. I mean, you're getting really great resources. You're basically just drawing your way to your answers. You're drawing your way to your victory condition. Um, it's a really fantastic way of being able to take advantage of that color, again, of black. So Crypt Breaker, a really fantastic black card. Let's see, Dictate of Erebos is a really fantastic and very mean enchantment to play uh, in most situations. So for one, it has flash. So no one, people may not even be able to see it coming, which is really hilarious. So whenever a creature you control dies, each opponent sacrifices a creature. So imagine you've got someone coming in with a board wipe and you flash this in a board wipe coming on your end, or they're able to kill some of your creatures. Um, you're able to bring this in and they also go down with you, which is pretty great. And it also makes you a pretty poor target for a game of commander, for example, because of course, you know, you're bringing your creatures on the board. This is really fantastic. For example, when you're playing, um, like a zombie tokens deck or, or maybe like Hapatra with a, her snakes, the, your ability to be able to just basically suicide any of your creatures and have that opponent also basically, or all the opponents at the table start sacrificing creatures as well. It, it just attacking you becomes a very bad idea or killing your creatures becomes a very, very bad idea. So if somebody wants to do it, they have to pay the price, uh, which is, of course, killing their own stuff. And that leaves them at a disadvantage. 
So it's a really fantastic uh, enchantment to have on the board. What can be kind of disastrous, though, is if you have two of them on the board, which happened to me during one commander game, and we just could not parse that out. So uh, that was pretty, pretty crazy. Let's talk about some of the favorite plays that you have from Black. Oh, man. Favorite Black play. I mean, I haven't made some of these plays with some of these decks, but the really fun play um, is like a turn one Dark Rit into Thoughtseize, Smallpox, or turn two, something like that. Uh, all these punishing cards that you see out of the Smallpox decks, those are really fun plays. In Tournament Magic, super dirty play, turn one Thoughtseize into Surgical. That feels great. I remember back in the day when I was playing tournament, uh, some really open format uh, games, I was playing Goblin Bidding, Patriarch's Bidding in a Goblin deck. That was super dirty and crazy. And there was back in the day, they used to have this mill deck that would mill, try and mill half your library. It was like a blue card that milled half your library and then they'd follow it up with Haunting Echoes. That's right. It was Traumatized and then Haunting Echoes. Right. Traumatizing into Haunting, haunting Echoes. That is awesome. Like the way that Black can, can interact with your library like that. Super fun plays. And sometimes you don't pull those off, right? And then, of course, the blind cabal therapy for a two of in their hand or something like that. That's always beautiful. Always a good story. Chris Furter said that one of his favorite red plays is to have Realm Pyromancer and then casting Cabal Therapy, making an elemental token, so immediately dirty. flashing it back because now you've seen their hand, you sack the elemental token, cast Cabal Therapy again mm -hmm. with the flashback cost, and guess what? It triggers Young Pyromancer. You get your elemental token anyways. Yeah, that synergy does, is doing a lot of work in Legacy right now, for sure. Hey there, KTM listener. Did you know that it takes me around 10 hours to make a 45-minute episode of Kitchen Table Magic? I meticulously remove all those weird hissing noises, plosive pops, awkward pauses, and today Junior stutters from the raw tape. There's also a bunch of other random audio engineering things I do to make the sound buttery smooth. Your generous support of the show at patreon.com slash kitchen table magic helps to pay for audio software that I use to do all that newfangled audio editing stuff. And it helps to pay for web hosting so the show can live on the internet for all eternity. Mucho thanks to all of my Patreon supporters, past, present, and future, who are amazing people that always win their die rolls. If you'd like to join the squad, head on over to patreon.com slash kitchen table magic. Thanks, everybody. This episode of Kitchen Table Magic was brought to you by Paragon City Games. Kitchen Table Magic has been all about the origins of the game and the members of the community. And as a community, we've come a long way since the game first started. Apart from the kitchen table, the only other places in your local community to play Magic are at local game stores. And that's why places like Paragon City Games are so important for our community. At Paragon City Games, you'll find a spacious and clean showroom with lots of elbow room for weekly Magic events. You'll find thoughtful accessories like die-hard metal dice and handcrafted wooden deck boxes. You'll find a huge supply of legacy, modern, and standard staples, sealed product, and tabletop games. It's places like Paragon City Games with their friendly staff that allow local Magic communities to gather in. And if you can't make it there in person, be sure to watch their weekly stream at twitch.tv slash paragoncitygames. Remember to spread the love with a like on Facebook and a follow on Twitter for Paragon City Games. They have great online reviews that shows their commitment to excellent customer service for their player community. Kitchen Table Magic is sponsored by Card Kingdom. 
CardKingdom.com is a great place to shop for Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, pre-constructed decks, and gaming accessories. They have a huge selection of Magic cards, from the latest sets to an ever-flowing supply of modern, commander, legacy, and standard staples. Card Kingdom also loves to buy Magic cards. They'll offer you cash or in-store credit for your Magic cards. And if you're new to Magic, you'll love playing any one of their pre-constructed battle decks built by Card Kingdom. Be sure to sign up for Card Kingdom's email newsletter to receive coupon codes, special deals, and deck techs by Magic Pro Chris Van Meter. Card Kingdom has so much to offer, fast shipping, great customer service, so I hope you'll check them out. And if you'd like to help support Kitchen Table Magic when shopping at Card Kingdom, please use our affiliate link. Just go to cardkingdom.com slash KTM when you shop. Daniel, what do you see as like a future trend for where Black is going in, in future magic or modern magic? Hmm. Yeah, the future of Black I see as it's a little tough because so many of their cards are so good right now. They have so many tier one cards. Oh man, Fatal Push just came out. Fantastic card. Kind of like the Black Swords to Plowshares. Yeah, a lot of their cards are so good right now, especially in the one mana slot. I don't know how much better they can get. I see a lot of the the future of black uh, black cards being in maybe better creatures. Although they do have some of the best creatures as well, with I mean Death Shadow and Modern and uh, Gurmag Angler and Tombstalker and that sort of thing. Very hard to deal with, but but specifically versus other black cards, like it's hard for a Fatal Push or a Decay to handle a Gurmag Angler. And that's where you see answers in Diabolic Edict or Liliana the Veil, Sacrifice Effects, right? So, oh man, now that I'm thinking about it, Black is just dealing with other Black cards. Like, they're trying to trying to outmaneuver other Black removal or other Black creatures. So, yeah, I think in Modern, Black is the best color, is it not? And in Legacy, one of the best, maybe, maybe the second best color. So, the future of Black is just keep being awesome and keep hurting people's feelings and keep killing stuff. Yeah, right now in Modern, it's like turn one Inquisition, turn one Thoughtseize. It's so good, especially with the rise of Death Shadow's decks. Now, Gurmag Angler and like Death Shadow and Tassigur, Thoughtseize, Inquisition, Fatal Push. They're all black cards. Yeah. You know, Dark Confidant is obviously not played in Death Shadow, but still Dark Confidant in Jund and like Grim Flare is black, Adrept Decay, Maelstrom Pulse, Liliana of the Veil, Liliana of the Last Hope. Like, they're all black cards. Yeah, it's got that color's got a lot of offer right now. I think uh, other color, colors would would be nice for them to catch up. And you have a lot of awesome cards in every color. Even Colgan's command, I even forgot. Oh my Colgan's god, Colgan's command is is so brutal. It's so brutal. I don't. It's more black than red. That card, I think the that card's utility is insane. Yeah, that that I, I lost last weekend to Richard Neal on check pile because he mostly because he played Colgan's command plus him to Turok. And the, the combination of those two is so much card disadvantage. It's really hard to come back from, from that sort of thing. So, yeah, great cards. So, a little bit about the history of black. It was mostly, you know, for most of its history, it's been a spell-based color. That's where most of its strength has been in spells. The best creatures for a long time were just like black knights and the pump knights. And you could have a white weenie deck with all this white utility stuff. And then you could have also the upper percentage of a black weenie deck and kind of those operating on different spectrums. But... In recent years, Black has gotten some really good creatures in addition to all the great spells it already has. So, um, it's kind of cool to watch. You used to see, I used to see budget players playing mono black and they'd have some great spells and some really bad creatures. You'd have to, Vampire Nighthawk was your best creature, maybe Bob. Now these days you have Gurmag Angler, you have Tombstalker, you have Tassiger, of course, Death Shadow, Deathrite Shaman, if you want to consider that in the same category, Grim Flayer, right? You can make a mostly mono black deck and it's going to be way better than a mostly mono black deck back in the day 
And another great thing, most of those cards aren't super expensive uh, for whatever reason. So I think black is in a great place right now. Got some really good creatures they're, they're making for that, especially with a lot of the creatures playing with the black game plan of killing all your stuff, filling up the graveyard, delving it away. There's some amazing cards that are, you know, hybrid colored, right? Especially with green, right? Decay, Pernicious Deed, Maelstrom Pulse, to some degree, Garrick Relentless. There's a, just a lot of great, what else? What else? It's a bunch of John cards, right? You know? Uh, like terminate um, terminate that kind of thing yeah some great great black hybrid colors so you know of course like most colors it's better with with in tandem with others but i think right now golgari stuff is super strong and decay especially is iconic some people hate that card it's format warping in a sense um but, but we're talking about abrupt decay which can't be countered can't be countered hits everything cmc three or less um, and it has just so much utility. So I think, you know, uh, back in the day when black had problem removing, moving permanence, you pair that with green, you can handle almost anything with between decay and maelstrom pulse and deed and all those fun cards. Yeah, it's in a great position right now. It's, it can only get better. Michelle, what would you say to new players that are considering playing black? Like, how would you persuade them from picking this color? Black is all about breaking the rules to win. If you don't want to hold yourself back in any way, if you want to just let yourself go and do whatever it takes in order to win, then black is probably the color for you. Michelle, by now, I think we all know that black is the color of evil and bad guys and zombies and things that go bump in the night. Is there another particular perspective or context shift that we can hear about in terms of black? So black really isn't about evil because evil implies that there is good. And black doesn't really believe in either good or evil. It just believes that things are the way they are. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. So there are definitely characters uh, who look out for themselves, but are also very much attuned to, you know, how they're not necessarily bad. For example, in Kaladesh, we had a really fantastic race, basically, of Aetherborn. Uh, these are people that are basically created from the a uh, process of refining ether, which is the natural resource on this plane. And these are individuals who have very short lives. They can live anywhere from like a few days or a few months to as long as maybe four years. So they spend every moment they can living their life to the fullest. So they're because they're incredibly empathetic people, they are able to sense the emotions of everyone else around them. And this creates a personality that is very much concerned with not only having a fantastic time for themselves, making sure everybody else around them is also having a fantastic time. Because if someone is sad, then it's going to make them sad too. Um, the, the character that really embodies this in Kaladesh is Yeheni. Um, Yeheni is an Aetherborn. You know, they are and they are approaching their penultimate party, pretty much, which is the party that that celebrates basically their passing, um, their restoration to the great cycle of ether within Kaladesh. And they are so close to doing this, but then they realize there's something else going on on Kaladesh that's a little bit sinister. You know, the, the consulates coming in, they're confiscating things. People around me are being really upset. Like, this is not great for someone who is an empath. But so I'm going to fix these things. So that way they feel happy. Therefore, I will be happy. That's a really nice way of approaching the good side of Black. Black wants everyone to have a wonderful time. And as a result, they will do whatever it takes in order to make sure that happens. Um, so that can be a lot of fun. We also have uh, Toshiro Umuzawa, 
um, in Kamigawa, who basically ends up saving the entire plane from a mono-white villain, the emperor who basically um, stole, I think they stole things from the Kami, and, and it was just a big mess. But, you know, Toshiro was able to get in there, and basically, you know, he was, he, he wasn't a great, he wasn't necessarily the most sterling individual, but he was able to go there and for his sake, and coincidentally for the rest of the planes, was able to restore balance and make sure that, you know, the Kami and the people of Kamigawa are also happy. Huh, I really learned something. I, I just never thought about it like that at all. Yeah, um, even Liliana, when we look at a lot of her character development in the past few stories, even when she started off before being a planeswalker, she didn't really care about what other people thought of her. She, you know, was very liberated as a woman. Like she just, she went out and had casual relationships and everybody else like really judged her for it. But she was always really fond of her brother, Jozu. And so when she went out, she wanted to not only prove herself as a healer, but also save her brother. And unfortunately, that had some rather unintended consequences where he turned, well, she turned him into a crazy zombie brother and then she planeswalked to another place. Um, but in the most recent uh, Hour of Devastation story, we see that Liliana defects back to Bolas, but she's not happy about it. Um, she's actually quite fond of Jace, even though she she totally is fighting it. Like they totally have a thing going on. But she she sees Jace not necessarily as someone she loves, but as someone that is hers. And that if she's going to, if anyone's going to mess with Jace's mind, it's going to be her, not anyone else. And she also has a sort of older sister protective kind of feeling towards Chandra as well, you know? She sees Chandra as someone who's a really impulsive individual and maybe needs a little bit of guidance, um, which is generally how Black sees Red. And as a result, when she defects and planes walks away, you know, she actually starts crying in the blind eternities because she has let herself grow attached to these people. These people are hers, like Innistrad was hers, like these, um, like these zombies that she had on Innistrad were hers. Um, she was fighting Emrakul and Emrakul started taking the zombies away. She was furious. And so that's how Black kind of expresses its affection, how Black can be a really great ally to have. Because once Black sees you as part of their community, Black is going to be very upset if anyone messes with you. So wonderful to have Michelle and Daniel back on the show. If you recognize their wonderful voices, Michelle joined us for part one of the Wooberg series on White, and Daniel talked to us about Legacy Elves. If you haven't listened to those episodes, go back and check them out. Daniel also mentioned a YouTube video by the Magic Man Sam about Thoughtseize. I'll have all of the links in the show notes at kitchentablemagic.org. Michelle is on Twitter at Ninox underscore Morepork, and Daniel is poning noobs in the Seattle area. Next week is GP Seattle, so I hope to see everyone there. I'll be the guy running around with a Wooberg shirt and a vlogging camera. I'm gearing up to make YouTube videos on my new channel, Play MTG, so keep an eye out for those. Stick around towards the end of the podcast for a preview clip of the next episode in the Wooberg series. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this week's show. I'd like to take a moment to thank all of my Patreon supporters. Brian, Marcus, James L, Alex, Trevor, Caitlin, Aaron M, Neil, James G, Aaron C, Corey, Chad, Logan S, The Magic Man, Sam, Jesse, Ben, Nick, Eternal Dirtles, Matthias, Charlie, Geraint, Scryfall, Ian, Matt, Prescovi, Carl, and Logan F. 
Listeners, if you'd like to get special gifts for my interviews, become a supporter at patreon.com slash kitchen table magic. Your financial contribution goes to making the show better and helps keep it running by paying for audio equipment, software, and server costs. And now that I've partnered with Card Kingdom, there's a new way to support the show. When you shop at Card Kingdom, just use my affiliate link, cardkingdom.com slash KTM. A big thank you again to all of my Patreon supporters, past, present, and future. Your support of Kitchen Table Magic allows me to share stories about the amazing people in the Magic the Gathering community with the world. I've created a new YouTube channel called PlayMTG. It's an upbeat, fast-paced new YouTube channel featuring deck techs from the pros, learn-to-play tutorials, level-up advice, card discussion, MTG community news, and more. Just go to youtube.com slash C slash PlayMTG. You'll find links to the PlayMTG YouTube channel on facebook.com slash PlayMTG. And be sure to follow the show on Twitter at Play underscore MTG. I'm looking forward to creating new video content, and I've got some cool collaborations in the works please be sure to subscribe to Kitchen Table Magic on Apple Podcasts. And if you love the show, please leave us a review. It really helps other people find this podcast. Kitchen Table Magic is also on Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Hipsters of the Coast, and mtgcast.com. Follow the show on Twitter at KTM Podcast, where you'll find me tweet memes. Yeah, mostly memes. The show is also on Facebook.com slash Kitchen Table Magic Podcast. All of the show notes are at kitchentablemagic.org. Remember to listen to past episodes and be sure to share KTM with a friend. Coming up on the next episode of Kitchen Table Magic. Do you like spicy food? Can you count to 20? Are you impatient with your slow opponent? Are you not interested in blocking with your creatures? Having fun with just a basic mountain? Why bother with game mechanics? Let's just burn to the face. If these sound completely reasonable to you, then you're gonna like this next episode. Burn spells, haste creatures, direct damage, basic mountains. That's right, we're talking about magic's most impulsive color, red. Red can win out of nowhere and just as quickly run out of gas. We'll be talking to some red mages and also a walking, talking basic mountain. Join us for part four of our five-part series on Wooburg as we add spice to our favorite game, all on the next episode of Kitchen Table Magic. <laughs>